The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Cover 3 Podcast, the only college football podcast with a former host working as a general manager for a Power 5 program and a current host imprisoned for a crime he did not commit. I'm Tom Fernelli. He's Bud Elliott. Danny Cannell is not here today because he's visiting Chip Patterson in prison, and maybe he's even smuggling in some contraband. Who knows? Uh, We've got a lot to talk about on today's show as the college football world continues to be torn apart at the seams. We will talk about the budding war between the NCAA and boosters, the idea of transfer windows. The Big Ten is about to be stinking rich, and we'll also talk about some JAG pluses and plenty more. But before we get to any of that, we humbly ask that if you are watching us live on YouTube, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel at youtube.com slash cover three. It helps rig the algorithm to make sure that our propaganda is the propaganda being spread across the internet more than anybody else's. If you're listening the old fashioned way on audio, please rate and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Also, Tomorrow, we are doing a mailbag episode, and we can't have a mailbag episode without questions. So the best way to get your question asked and answered on the show is to leave a five-star review with your question in the review, or you can just direct message me on Twitter. That worked for a couple people last week, honestly. So, you know, if, if the question's good enough and it's in the direct message, I'll I'll skirt the rules a little bit. I'll get the question on the show. So, uh, you know, it'll, it'll help us kill time if we need it. Anyway, uh... Now that that's all out of the way, bud, I I absolutely 100% positively have to know what you think about Ryan Tannehill's comments about mentoring Malik Willis, because my God, everybody has an opinion on it. The NFL is just so undefeated at uh, staying in the news, even if it's just complete nonsense, you know? Uh, I mean, it's... Is Jordan a Titans fan? I, I, I see producer Jordan in the chat. Uh, he, <laughs> Jordan is Jordan wants huge a, Titans fan. Okay, <laughs> he's hurting. He's hurting because there's a war that the Titans are being torn apart because Ryan Tannehill will not mentor Malik Willis. And I don't. Yeah, that's that's one of those stories. I don't want to spend much time on it, but that's like one of those things where I feel like, depending on who you follow on Twitter, like I saw a thousand people defending Ryan Tannehill. 
I didn't see any tweets saying what he said was wrong. So I feel like that's one of those stories where everybody's just arguing against nobody, but maybe there were people I don't follow who were doing it. Anyways. Yeah. I, uh, it seemed like it was much more one-sided than the, uh, the, the, you know, soft debate I was having last night with pit fans. (laughs) Oh yeah. Pit. I, you know, I talked about this with Danny on Monday. Like it is so I'm already tired of it. Like the debate and the discourse and all this stuff, which is great because we're gonna have a whole show about it for the most part. But like, I think it's great that USC fans are so mad because it's important for USC fans to be invested in the sport because it means the program is going in the right direction and that's good for the sport in general. And I think it's good for Pitt fans to be mad about it too because it's also natural to expect that it's gonna happen. But like, cause you were talking about on Twitter with some Pitt fans, it's like, you, you didn't mind when you took Akron's leading receiver. So now that somebody's taking your leading receiver, it's like, what are we going to do? I mean, and I know like Pitt fans are going to say, it's different situations. He was in the portal. There was no, yeah, I get it. But it's just the way it's going to work now. Do you think, all right, so I, I think this whole like, oh, one's an inducement, one's not. Like, isn't Pitt having a good, an offense you'd want to play in as a receiver yes. as opposed to Akron? Isn't that an inducement? Yes. I mean, like, could you say that Pitt, Maybe not actively induced, but maybe just, you know, passively induced Mumfield to jump in the portal uh, yeah. because he wanted to go to a better situation. I, look, also, nobody was claiming that Nebraska tampered with Mark Whipple. Nobody said that Texas tampered with Brennan Marion, the offensive mm-hmm. coordinator and receiver coach, respectively, who left off that pit offense. And those guys got huge paydays in part due to Jordan Addison. And I just keep the same energy you know yeah i I think like honestly it's it's one of those things where it's just the we we talked about it with danny a little on monday like the brazen nature of it where it's just it's like you're negotiating publicly pretty much like the fact that the news was out there that oh jordan addison is talking to you or not talking to usc but there's interest in transferring to usc and maybe other places all this stuff happening before it's in the portal and we've seen it too like i feel like college basketball kind of stepped it up or Honestly, I uh, I don't think college basketball has changed at all. Like, I feel like this is what college basketball recruiting has been for a while. It's just now you're able to actually say it out loud because I feel like it's always been this way with, like, the shoe companies and all that stuff. But I think for college football fans, or we're still somewhat more in the dark who maybe don't follow basketball recruiting as well. It's still kind of like being hit in the face with a frying pan just because you're not expecting yeah. it. And some of the people who were apparently hit in the face by this frying pan are the NCAA because uh, Sports Illustrated's Ross Dellinger reported yesterday that the headline from SI.com, task force to big money boosters, NIL sanctions could be coming. Uh, I'll, I'll read from the first couple of paragraphs here. College leaders are gearing up to issue a warning to hundreds of wealthy boosters who are using name, image, and likeness ventures to involve themselves in recruiting. University administrators, part of a task force to review NIL, are finalizing additional guidelines that are expected to clarify that boosters and booster-led collectives are prohibited from involvement in recruiting. The guidelines will provide more guidance to member schools on what many administrators say are and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, essentially, now that it's already way too late. The NCAA is looking at the situation and saying, we should probably do something about this. Uh, is this like the NCAA's lawyers just trying to find ways to get more billable hours? Or, or, or what, what is, are these guys just that greedy that they, they're like, all right, we, we, you know, we got to set another record for billing this month, trying to make partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, 
I don't think anything will come of this. No. Uh, I think we will probably have one transformation of the sport and then another before anything actually seriously goes down. Ultimately, I do think we are going to go to a situation where the players have some almost certainly very weak union and the schools collectively bargain with them and probably win the schools, meaning. Like, I think mm-hmm. the schools will reclaim some power uh, with in that structure. But right now, they just don't want to share any of the money they actually make. So we have this NIL stuff. And uh, who won the national title in basketball this year? Uh, Kansas. Mm. Didn't they have a like? Is that investigation still ongoing there? I don't oh, follow yeah. basketball that much. Okay, they mm. are they are working very hard at finding out who did this, and they will be punished to the full ex- fullest extent of their non-existent rules. And uh, Arizona State still employing Herb Edwards? They are, but mm. they are working very hard to find out who did this, and they will investigations be punished ongoing to the still. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What? If Jordan could, could slip that little uh, little clip of Cam Newton in for, from the, from the, uh, the 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 doc, remember that? As yes. I say, it's an ongoing, ongoing investigation. <laughs> but I, no, I just think it, you're right because this is like the NCAA. We, we've talked about it the last few weeks, but like this is a train that has been coming forever, and the NCAA had plenty of time to prepare for themselves for it, and they didn't do it. They waited until the Supreme Court just gave them absolutely no choice in the matter, forced their hand, forced things to happen, and now that they've had, now then they just do it. Like, all right, you know, flip the flip the switch, everything's open, everything's cool, do what you want, and then they're like, wow, I can't believe everybody's just running wild, even though we did nothing to prepare for it. We should do something about this. Like, you know, it's like the old Simpsons episode. Yes, Eric Code Camp. <laughs> no, no, the one where Ned oh. Flanders loses his mind. Okay, yes, he, yes. And it, it's a flashback to his parents taking him to like, his parents are beatniks and they take him to like a counselor. And his mom just goes, we've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. <laughs> I was thinking, God, I, Tom, I love you watch the Simpsons, man. Um <laughs> So I was thinking, remember when, when they changed area codes for Springfield and Homer is uh, like losing his mind, he's like rolling yeah. around the floor like he's having a break. He's like, there was no warning. And then Lenny's like, what What about when, when, when they engraved the new area code in the, in, in the Mount Springfield and all the people <laughs> off in the sky and, 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 and the sky riding and those billboards? And then Lisa's like, what about the two weeks we spent at new area code camp? <laughs> Homer's like, no warning. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's That's pretty a great much, episode. It's pretty much exactly what this is because it's, I mean, and like the NCAA is, has no power anymore. I and mean, that's really the truth of it. Like we talked about with Mark Emmert's decision to step down. That's really what's happening here is I feel like we are seeing the NCAA's kind of like dying gasps before something else takes over, whether it's the college football playoff or some new collective of the main conferences who just kind of take over, split away, whatever the autonomous five, whatever they want to call themselves. I think that we're very much heading in that direction and that when there is any kind of legislation, although I guess I use that term loosely, when there is any kind of rules or guidelines set for what NIL is, for what pay for play is and will continue to be, because that's the other thing too, we keep calling it NIL. It's pay for play most of the time. Some of these kids are selling t-shirts, sure, but most of them are just, you're paid to be here. There's really nothing you have to do besides be here and play football. So there's going to be guidelines. It's not going to be the NCAA doing it, but at least now the NCAA could say, hey, we're trying. And I think that's really the entire purpose of the whole thing. Um, some other changes, actually, that could come up 
could happen that might actually have an impact on things that matter to coaches right now. There is, this is from ESPN, first reported this, Adam Rittenberg and Heather Dinich, uh, their headline, College Football Coaches Association to Propose Transfer Windows. So college football is going to become like soccer, just not in the way I want it to. But here's from their story. College football coaches will propose transfer windows in the late fall and spring to help with roster management around the transfer portal. Todd Barry, the executive director of the AFCA, said Tuesday his group would like two transfer windows for players to enter their names in the portal. One from the final Sunday in November until the early signing date in mid-December, and another from April 15th to May 1st. Both windows would coincide with contact periods in recruiting. Players wouldn't be required to transfer, only to enter the portal during the designated time period. Uh, I could see, I, I, I think that we're going to have this, but you, you tweeted a little bit about this yesterday too, I think. like I think the two-week window in spring is not going to fly with some schools. Yeah, so this is a story that I anticipated when I went to AFCA, the coaching commission, and, and you know, I, I'm credit the header and, uh, and and Adam obviously for reporting this that, that they're going to vote on it. It's going to come. Um, almost all the coaches I know definitely do want this. They do not mm -hmm. want to have to continually re-recruit their roster during the season. If I was coaching college football, I would want this. Yes, uh, I definitely would not want guys quitting the team in mid-season because you really can't go anywhere else during the season so you might as well unless you're in a really toxic situation just tough it out and then transfer once the season is pretty much over which is what this, this transfer window uh, would set up so for the fall window i agree however for the spring window uh, i really think that that's going to be kind of problematic on the player personnel side. And I don't have any coaches pushing back to me on this, but I do have guys who work in player personnel, especially at the G5 level. And they are saying, yeah, two weeks is not enough time for us to evaluate all these guys. Like we don't have the same size staff that a Georgia or, you know, mm -hmm. USC or Alabama have. We have, we are the staff. It's two guys here, right? And if 700 kids go into the portal Monday and Tuesday of, of that period, uh, we're not gonna be able to, to look at all that film and evaluate those kids and do, do our due diligence on the backstory. But we can knock out 30 kids a week at the current rate. So I think basically the transfer window should be essentially like Thanksgiving to a couple weeks after Easter. You know, and then I don't like the idea of transferring mid-season. Mm -hmm. And I, I do like the idea of having some roster finality uh, over the summer like i don't think we want to have kids transferring in august and being eligible that's we have that here in the state of florida at the high school level and it's just kind of insanity um but yeah i think that this is probably going to pass and my buddies and player personnel are just gonna be like shit this is this is gonna suck yeah <laughs> you know and that's like getting to that like i think like for the health of the sport you have to have transfer windows or one larger transfer window, but it, it does need to accommodate more staffs, like you said, like the G5 schools that might not have 20 guys who are able to pour over the portal and pour over film and like re study these guys because just for the health, like you talk about it, like if you're a college coach right now, you don't really have time off. Like it is a 
year-round, nonstop kind of thing with recruiting, with transfers, because now you're not just recruiting players to come to your school from high school or from elsewhere. You've got to keep recruiting your own players to make sure that they're happy and they're still there. And you have to do all of this while still maintaining, you know, a football team preparing it to play games and win games so you could keep your job. And there's always the retort, well, that's what, you know, they're paid for. And they are paid handsomely. A lot of them are, especially at the power five level. And not saying that that's not the case, but there's also, they can get paid handsomely at the NFL level where there's a lot less of that work. So you could, you would see like the top coaches that are maybe attractive to NFL gigs you might see, like we've talked about, you know, like Lincoln Riley had been a candidate for NFL jobs. Ryan Day's name gets tossed up for NFL jobs. These are very good college coaches who are good for the sport, who if they kind of grow tired of this kind of thing where they're constantly having to do all this recruiting and the transfers, maybe they just say at some point, screw it, I'm going to take the NFL job. That way I could just coach football. Yeah. And then you could see some of your best coaches leave. Now, you could say that opens up a vacuum for more coaches to come into the college game and develop and improve themselves. But I think that for the sport as a whole, these are guys you want to keep. So you kind of want to make sure that you're making their jobs as easy as possible, or at least more comfortable. So that way they can deal with it and not burn out as quickly as they might. There, there's also an element uh, of fandom here that we do have to keep in mind. And uh, I think some fans are turned off by the, uh, you know, NIL transfer portal combo. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's not going to go anytime soon. I, I think, you know, maybe to take a couple of years and then, and then I think some, some changes will likely come. But I'll use an analogy here. I, I'm a Rays fan in, in baseball. You know, Tom's a White Sox fan. Our teams don't spend the most money. His team spends more than, than my team does. And I, I, I'm comfortable with the idea that eventually we are going to lose guys to the Yankees uh, when their contracts are up. But at least they have contracts and some roster certainty entering the season like I'm not worried that Wander Franco is all of a sudden going to be on the Yankees a week before you know I get season tickets which I live in Orlando so I did not get season tickets to the Rays even though we're technically in the blackout zone which is insane uh, that's a different conversation so I do think having some roster finality entering the season is important I think it's an important concept of fandom this might help achieve some of that yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I, it's just, it's a process that's a mess that could use as much streamlining as possible. Even do you think, sorry, do you no, think we ahead. will have, um, do you think this will get challenged in court as sort of, uh, you know, restriction on ath athlete movement and, and freedom? Essentially, you're putting non-compete windows on people that you're claiming are not employees. That's the other thing I've heard about this, but I don't really know yeah. how strong that pushback is going to be. I don't know. I, I think that could be if somebody really gets a bug up their ass about it, you could do it. But I, it's maybe, it, yeah, if if you find somebody caring enough yeah, <laughs> to exactly. do it. But that's the thing, like, what court is really going to, I don't know, like, how long would that take to get to the Supreme Court? Like, think about what, you know, yeah, think about how long it took for what happened to happen. It's like, if somebody starts filing that, it's just going to keep getting passed along and along and along and along. And then 20 years from now, whoever's on the Supreme Court will listen to it and be like, yeah, no, you have to do it. And the NCAA will be like, what? Nobody told us this. Anyway, look at Tom hit all the SEO words today. Supreme Court, Supreme Court, Supreme Court. <laughs> Come on, Google, Google, I, Google Smart Speaker, pick us up. The players should be pro-choice. Um, so another story is from from CBS Sports. Dennis Dodd kind of broke this yesterday. Other outlets have picked it up since, but the headline 
is Big Ten going to be stinking rich? No, the headline is Big Ten aims to have new media rights deal worth up to $1 billion, with a B dollars in place around Memorial Day. Like we've, we've known that the TV deal was coming, but what Dot is essentially reporting is that uh, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren expects to have an agreement in place on a new media rights deal for the conference in about one month's time. The new deal, which would begin in 2023, could be worth a record-setting $1 billion per season, according to the Sports Business Journal. And that means, do the math in your head, per school, if it's a billion a year, $71 million per school. That is a lot of money to buy players from other conferences with. Oh, boy. Yeah, uh, that, is, uh, that is a great deal for the Big Ten. They, they've always timed this up pretty well. Do you remember when Jim Delaney, by the way, basically said that that the Big Ten, the old commissioner of Big Ten, that the Big Ten would go and become like D2 or D3 when the cost of attendance thing was happening? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Jim, mm. Jim Delady had a lot of very brilliant and smart and turns out accurate takes about the future of the sport with the way he negotiated these TV deals and did things for the Big Ten. But he also... He also put up a couple stinkers. <laughs> like that he was a straight gangster. I mean, like, like he he's literally like the NCAA type OG as far as like players are going to get nothing. We're going to just you mm-hmm. know drag our feet. We are going to get stinking rich as, as far as schools and administrators and coaches. Like like J- Jim Delaney was very like Roger Goodell. Like, like guess mm-hmm. what? I'm going to take all the heat. We're going to make all the money. I'm going to be a villain, but I'm going to be a rich villain mm-hmm. and. Yeah. I don't think anybody, I mean, I feel like the only thing that he ever really did to tick off Big Ten fans was at Rutgers in Maryland, and even that's died down eventually. <laughs> and even that made sense because the Big Ten was so out in front with their network-specific TV deal mm-hmm. that adding markets actually paid off, I think, in terms of getting carriage on traditional cap- you know, cable providers, right? Did Tom freeze yeah. or did I freeze? Uh, I'm, I'm here. Um, your fo- your, your, uh, your, your your face on that was was ah. tremendous. Um, like if you were doing it now, you would not add Maryland and Rutgers because mm-hmm. it's now actually more about fans and not just the size of the media markets because people are ditching traditional cable at times. But that was still a smart move at the time, you know? Yeah. No, it's I, I hated it just traditionally because it was like, the hell maryland and rutgers in the big 10 i don't care about maryland and rutgers and nobody in new york cares about maryland and rutgers but that doesn't matter because the channel will still be on their cable box and that's like you said all the big 10 really cared about but i think that new york's team mm-hmm. <laughs> just like northwestern is chicago's big 10 team yeah. but i i think like the bigger takeaway here too is we talked about this a little bit on monday when discussing just kind of like the way like in the nfl draft how 43 percent of the players selected in the draft were sec or big 10 and now you've seen the SEC's latest TV deal. Now you're seeing what the Big Ten is probably going to be announcing by the end of the month as far as the money that will be coming into their schools. And then you look at the ACC, you look at the Big 12, and you look at the Pac-12, and you look at their TV deals, and it's like there's already been that gap that's kind of forming, and it's hard to see it closing anytime soon. Yeah, at least with the traditional models, uh, it doesn't appear they could close it anytime soon, I, I don't think. Uh, I am curious. I haven't seen anybody report exactly who this deal will be with. I, I mean, they're not going to tell me. No, uh, but I, I, I don't think it's CBS. Uh, at ed- least not not the not the billion part. Educated guess. It's mostly going to be Fox. I don't think Fox wants all of it. 
because that's too Fox much has inventory. baseball too. Yeah, it's too much inventory for them to really distribute unless they've got some sort of streaming app coming out that I don't know about. And they they're... ditched the regionals, remember? Mm-hmm. Like the, that yep. became Bally's. Yeah, yep. So I just don't see them having space for all the inventory. So I'm guessing it's going to be Fox gets the sweetheart part of the deal where they're going to have like the first choices. And then I'm going to guess that the rest of it's going to be split up in multiple ways. I don't know if it's going to still include ESPN if or if the big, because I feel like, part of the big 10 still wants to be associated on espn just to make sure that they're getting talked about on espn because i'm curious about this though like and i have friends at espn how much of your espn consumption uh, like compare it now to where it was before like do you watch no college ball live no do you watch game day if it's not a live sporting event i'm not watching it I don't watch any of ESPN's shows, like pre-games, post-games, talk shows. I don't watch anything on any network that's not just a live sporting event, to be honest. Yeah, I, I would agree. Well, I, I do watch... Um, well, I, I like mean, MLB. I watch regular television. Yeah, I like yeah. MLB Tonight on, on the MLB network, um, mm-hmm. just because it's like like live looking, or it's like look-ins to live games, uh, kind of bouncing around. It's, it's nice to have on the background. But I, I do think that the importance of you know being talked about on ESPN is less i think it's lessened now than it was before fox has done a good job with big noon saturday and their whatever their kickoff show is called i don't really watch any of these kickoff shows um and i think people are getting their, their media from other sources now like hey cover three podcast on youtube or you know what whatever show you want um i also the big 10 i think is too big to ignore yes. you know what i'm saying I think the Big 12 needs to have at least be somewhat on ESPN. I think ACC, obviously, being on the ACC network, which is ESPN-owned, is important. I think the Big 10 could have zero games on ESPN. Not they will, but I think in theory they could. And ESPN would still have to talk about them. It would just be, like They can't ignore it like they did the NHL. What would be funny is if the Big 10 like leaves ESPN altogether, then suddenly is no longer selected for the college football playoff. That would Nobody would ever see that coming. But, like, yeah, no, I... I Ideally, yeah, I think Fox is going to carry most of it. But for me, I definitely want CBS to have a piece of it. Yes, because I think it would be great for the company to replace since it's losing SEC in that 330 window to be able to replace that with the Big Ten, I think would be good and good for the conference, good for the company. And if it's good for the company, it's good for us. I kind of want to get I kind of want CBS to get the Big 12, too. Um, I just feel like as 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 gambling becomes a bigger part of this sport, as uh you know, like look look at the masters at, at, at like the what we do as a company with 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 the Paramount app. You know, and how mm-hmm. you can select any hole you want to watch. I think you know in ten to twenty years we're going to have literally on screen gambling, play to play, available if you want it. And the Big Twelve just with the close nature of all those games, that mm-hmm. could be tremendously fun. I mean, I'm just trying to think like way in the future for things you could buy like Gertula, go buy. Go go buy some Big Twelve rights and uh, and and you know do, get the live betting integration there with the Paramount app, with whomever our casino sponsor will be at that time. Do you think that's that easy? If I just email him after the show, be like, "Hey, get the Big Ten for the window in the afternoon and get the Big Twelve. <laughs> do it, make it happen." I'm, I'm gonna text Port and be like, "Hey, your meeting with Jeff is bumped." Uh, let's, <laughs> let's go. Uh, yeah, speaking of buying things. Uh, this is something I saw you talk about on Twitter a little bit too. It's a couple of days old, but I do think we should talk about it because it was surprising. O'Shawn Mathis, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, transferred from TCU, defensive lineman, 
Gary Patterson is his former coach at TCU, who is now at Texas. When he hit the portal, most people kind of thought he was probably going to end up at Texas because his former coach is there. Texas has all the booster money. Everybody wants him. They need him. He's in need. And he ended up at Nebraska. Chose them earlier this week over Texas. So my question for you is, how the hell did Texas not get O'Shawn Mathis? That's what I'm saying. So our, our Chris Hummer, who went to Texas, is very connected at Texas and throughout the whole state of Texas. And obviously, we'll be on the show tomorrow when we do, when we do our, our transfer portal special because um, he does all of our transfer portal work for 24-7 sports. You know, he basically said that Nebraska gave a, a better offer. Um, now, Nebraska is very connected NIL-wise, I believe, mm-hmm. with what, with Open Doors. So, like, they, Nebraska's got some money to play around with. They don't have his players in their own backyard, but they have cash. My thought here is, what do we talk about makes the Texas job so special? Geography and loads of money. If Texas doesn't have the money that, that their fans tell us they have, that job is not as attractive because you do have to deal with all, all the BS and the distractions there in Austin. Like You need to be able to spend some of your problems away like the Yankees used to do before they instituted the luxury tax in baseball. Uh, like If I'm Texas... You can tell me, and I think some of this is sour grapes from all these fans on Twitter, that we didn't really want O'Shawn Mathis. He's not that great. You know what? Spend the money and find out if he's not that great on your roster. Like, spend, spend, spend if you're Texas. And get like get get back on, on the fast track to the rebuild. We already recorded this, the summer school series. I don't think it's live yet for Texas, but I, I asked our expert Chip Brown. I was like, hey, are they going to have to score 50 a game? He's like, like yeah, they, they, they might have to. Like, I just think, man, like, if you're Sark, you're bummed about that, right? That, that your mm-hmm. guys couldn't get that done. I know you spent a lot on yours. I know you had to, you know, get Xavier Worthy. Obviously, uh, you know, Nair, the, the, the receiver that, that you got away from Tennessee after you transferred from Wyoming. But keep spending. I mean, it's easy to say spend somebody else's money, but you're Texas, right? Do you have it? No, it, it it was a surprise to me, but you're right. Like Nebraska does have money, but I, I think, like you said, Texas fans saying that they didn't want him. I think Texas should spin this as we are the first fiscally efficient NIL program in that we had a price that we thought the player was worth, and the the bargain the the negotiating exceeded that price, so we decided to move on, and we wish him the best of luck and we hope nebraska the best of luck as well our old friends and we will move on and find the most financially efficient route possible to success that's how i would spin it nobody is rooting for the bottom line but like (laughs) well there'll be some some fan on twitter will defend this this Mm -hmm. yeah it'll be like you know it's like like the rays do like hey we got all the value we could out of him here at that price at this price we don't think he's as valuable to us anymore so we're moving him along and we're going to keep winning games for while paying less money that's but Texas. Texas is the money ball nil program yes yeah yeah <laughs> um do we have to go to break <laughs> yeah we should but speaking of that like nebraska that's where mathis went we've got more news about nebraska which made me giggle coming up after the break the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived thanks to the visionary minds of new balance 
Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Scott Frost received an offer he wishes he could have refused from the NCAA. Uh, News earlier this week that Scott Frost, the head coach of Nebraska, has received a one-year show cause penalty from the NCAA and a five-day suspension from all coaching duties as part of the investigation in the program that began last year, which revolved around Nebraska having a few too many coaches on the staff than they were supposed to. Specifically, the violation involved former special teams analyst Jonathan Rutledge, who worked for Nebraska from the 2020 season, was fired in January 2021. Uh, He, This is what the NCAA said. He, quote, provided technical or tactical instruction to student athletes during practices and film sessions when he wasn't supposed to, blah, 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 a, quote, unquote, significant breach of blah, blah, blah. I just think this is funny because – the show this is fake really news. Doesn't. Yeah. The, How the many bets did we lose nothing. last year on Nebraska because their special teams was literally dead last <laughs> in the whole terrible. country? It was this terrible. Is, this is garbage. This, this is an NCAA <laughs> conspiracy to hurt Nebraska. They're like, And at least NCAA do better, right? At least say it was, a I don't know, an extra defensive assistant because their defense with Eric Chenander was actually good. I, I, special teams, the the – Look at the game they lost to Michigan State. They outplayed Michigan State that whole game. Like plus plus three, plus two and a half was was the right side. That was the nuts. And then the kid hits a thirty yard punt. Like it went more directionally incorrect. A fifty five and a half yard you know wide field. He hits it almost out of bounds to the wrong side where there's no coverage. You can't tell me that Nebraska had an extra special teams coaching at all. I feel Either like that or that good. or that guy's committing fraud. Like <laughs> the NCAA like, should, should investigate. He was yeah. sent in, he was sent in by one of he was sent in by Iowa to destroy Nebraska special teams. <laughs> oh my god! Kirk Ferentz is playing chess. We're all playing checkers. I mean, yeah, no, I feel like Nebraska already suffered enough for Jonathan <laughs> Rutledge's I'm not pinning it all on him, but I just think it is hilarious that they get they're in trouble for having too many special teams coaches when their special teams were awful. And maybe the NCAA should look at their special teams and say, you know what? We should let them have an extra coach or two in that area because yeah. they could really use it. But I, I think the biggest thing here is not the show cause because Scott Frost is gonna be at Nebraska for or, well for a year, fingers crossed. But depending on how things go, he's already on the hot seat. But I think the bigger thing for me is like the five day suspension because he's not the only one. Like a couple other coaches have to serve five day suspensions, and like being away from like he's it won't be a game, but still, even if it's like in preseason training camp, if it's oh, no, during Tom. the week, prepare. It is time specific. Oh. It's a five day. Have you seen this? No. All right, this is not a bit, y'all. It's during the championship portion of the season. Oh, so I think so, it 
I think it only applies if Nebraska makes it to the championship game. Or like a bowl game kind of deal. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay, then that's not even that big of a deal to me. Because like if you're in the if you're in the conference championship game, which no offense, Nebraska, I I don't think you're gonna be in the conference championship game this year. I just I think that we should set our goals a little lower. Six and six, seven to five. Let's get to a bowl game. Let's get some momentum going into 2023. But I, I think that if you miss bowl practice, is fine. It stinks. But there's also a very real chance that by the time that part of the year comes around, Scott Frost might not be the coach at Nebraska because that's the bigger thing to me is like he's already entering the year on the hot seat. And I don't think like the new Trev Alberts, the new athletic director there is going to be like, well, I wasn't going to fire him before, but now that he's had this happen, he's got to go. Like, I don't think this is going to impact his tenure there as much as whether they win enough games or not, but it is still just like another thing that I feel like poor Scott Frost has to deal with while he's already got enough on his plate as it is. So we'll see how it goes. And if he does get fired, remember other schools, you cannot hire him for probably at least two months afterwards. Uh <laughs> It's another story. It's not even a story. Like, that's, we're done with all the news. I want to get to something I've seen because we recapped the draft a bit on Monday. The NFL draft took place over the weekend. And once the NFL draft ends, that means it's time for everybody to start mock drafting the next year's NFL draft. And that means we have seen the flood from all the 2023 way too early mock drafts including Ryan Wilson at CBSSports.com, the great Ryan Wilson. He released his, and Ryan was one of a number of early mock drafters to do something that just kind of had me rubbing my eyes like, what the hell am I looking at? Because every single year when it gets to these way too early mock drafts, there is always one player that the NFL draft guys include in these mocks that every single person who pays attention to college football is like, what the hell are you talking about? And this year... That player, a guy I have seen in the top 10, the top five, sometimes as the second quarterback off the board in these way too early mocks, is Kentucky's Will Levis. Now, can I, before we go, can I just go over some stats about Kentucky's Will Levis? Please do. All right, this is where Will Levis ranked overall among quarterbacks last year at the college level. Overall, passing efficiency, 46th. Completion percentage, 24th. Yards per attempt, 47th. Touchdown rate, 33rd. Interception rate, 115th. Touchdown to interception ratio, 76th. Sack rate, 65th. First down rate, 24th. Not bad. But now let's go to air yards, throws of air yards, 10 plus. So any throw that has to go 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. Efficiency, 50th. Completion rate, 27th. YPA, 33rd. So, you know, not that bad down the field. Touchdown rate, 55th. Interception rate, 120th. Touchdown interception rate, 100th. Um, Yeah, Will Levis. Like, are you taking him with the first or second pick? Yeah, uh, well, clearly the first. Um, I got to say, like, I'm looking at Ryan Wilson's mock draft. Uh, I'm looking at uh, Blake Brockermeyer's uh, mock draft. And... I usually hate these early mock drafts, but I can go down typically and say, hey, uh, I've seen these guys in person. I don't think these NFL writers have actually seen these dudes in person. And if you saw them in person, you just know that they don't actually have first round builds. You know, like they're just, okay, they're productive. But if you've seen them in person, you're just like, like you just, you kind of know. You know what I mean? Like you've been around mm -hmm. these guys, you've been to the combat. Like you, you know what a first rounder 
not a guy is guaranteed to go first round, but there's certain certain dudes I can guarantee you will not be going first round just based on on how they're built. Um, will Levis, I think, is just a pure tools play because he was not very productive at Kentucky. However, I will point out a couple things here, and I cannot believe I'm defending Will Levis, but but um, Elliot, Will Levis defender, he, hates Stetson he, Bennett, loves Will Levis. Uh, he did get there last summer so he was Mm -hmm. not a guy who had a spring and he was uh productive at times if you can cut down on the just absolute wtf i'm deciding i'm chucking this thing deep uh interceptions and i think that was a lot of his his stuff last year was all right play action it's a deep over i'm going to throw this ball whether wandale is, is open or not um if you can cut that down I don't know how good he is at actually reading a defense. A lot of that, I think they really did a great job of simplifying it for him. But he does have big size. He is fairly athletic, and he does have a really strong arm. So my guess here is people are looking at him, and they're seeing Josh Allen, um, which Josh Allen for the Bills is doing a a great job. Decent. He's doing okay. Yeah. Uh, I want to be clear. I don't think. I'm not trying to say Will Levis sucks or Will Levis won't be drafted in the NFL or he won't go on or he won't approve or any of that stuff. He's perfectly capable of doing it all. But it's just to see him like as early as he's going in these first round mock drafts was just like a no. That's that feels like it's this year's Malik Willis where they spent a year telling themselves Malik Willis was going to be a first round pick. And then we saw what happened in the draft. And also because I also remember I go back a few years. I think it was Todd McShay in one of his early mocks had minnesota quarterback mitch leidner oh yes i was like what? <laughs> and i was like i think mitch leidner had thrown 15 passes the season before total and i was like really just like is he is he gonna be like the new tebow somebody's gonna fall in love with him and try him someplace but yeah no it's i i get it but at the same time i feel like we're all reaching a little too hard to find that first quarterback but i also think it would be hilarious if will levis comes back 2022 has a tremendous season it's like one of the first qbs taken off the board and penn state fans watch sean clifford for another year so like drew allard doesn't play well enough to take the starting job they're forced to deal with clifford who most of them just already are tired of and then there's will levis going on to be a first round pick in the nfl draft like penn state fans would be in absolute hell but uh speaking of that like nobody last year would have thought Kenny Pickett would have been a first-round pick. And Kenny Pickett was the only quarterback taken in the first round of the year. So, like, Kenny Pickett was the Jag Plus who became something more. So, for the rest of the show, I want to discuss with you, bud. We we shared this. Uh, We're going to look – we want to go over Jag Pluses, guys who are good college quarterbacks, guys like Will Levis, who nobody really looks at and says that's a first-round pick, who we think – could have the kind of season that Kenny Pickett had last year. He just kind of blows up and plays himself into being a first round pick. So I would love to hear some of the names you have on your list. All right. Um, I don't I really don't think this can happen, but I guess Tanner Morgan would be like, like super. On my list. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I don't think he has NFL level talent, but I would not have put Kenny Pickett on this list last year. Uh, so I would have missed. The return is of that- Eric Jaraka is going to bring back the Tanner Morgan that I had in my way too early mock draft a few years ago. <laughs> I, no, I, I did manually change my power ratings above what my number said by mm-hmm. Minnesota, removing Mike Sanford from the offense. And then I took yes. that adjustment and I applied it negatively to Colorado when they hired Mike Sanford. I just, I don't get that, that hire at all. Um, 
is Devin Leary too plusy? See, I to be in this. That's what I considered him. I feel like Devin Leary is kind of too good. And I, I don't, I don't mean it that way. I mean, like, I feel like Devin Leary is something of an NFL prospect that most people are already kind of looking at as a possibility. Okay. So I, I would count him, but I think Devin Leary is more than a Jag plus. And Armstrong is is being mocked in the first round as well already. So that's probably a no for him. Brendan Armstrong. Yeah. Oh wow, I didn't see who's got him. Uh, Brockermeyer had him. Brockermeyer has in that him. one. Um, I actually was very impressed with Brockermeyer and Wilson's mock drafts. There were only three guys in each that I just have seen in person that I was like, I really can't see that happening. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I think those guys really did their research well. Okay, here's one for you. And producer Jordan put this in the private chat. Nobody's mocking Sam Hartman, but he does yep. consistently put up like really good numbers. Yeah, no, that's a good pick. And in that offense too, which is got a lot of it's it's simple for the quarterback, but it's also got a lot of the same kind of principles that you're seeing NFL teams kind of adopt. So I don't know if the transition is as great as it used to be a couple years ago, because I do think NFL teams are becoming more like college offenses in a lot of ways. Cam rising. Did you have him? Uh, I do. Yeah. I think I, I feel like I'm disrespecting him by including him as a Jag plus, but I do think that he's still technically a Jag plus. I just might be a little higher on him than most people to begin with. Who else do you have? I'm just trying to go. Like, I mean, clearly that there's somebody I should say here. Um, that I know the whole chat is waiting for me to say, and I'll, I'll... on my list. Come fine. on, do it. Fine, do it. Stetson Bennett. There we go. Jeez. Stetson is going to come out. He's going to throw for 4,500 yards and 45 touchdowns, and he is going to be a first round pick. And Kirby's going to win another national title, and he's going to do it with offense. And everybody's going to be like, holy crap, Kirby, how'd you do it? He's like, I just put the team in the hands of the mailman, Stetson Bennett. <laughs> he delivered, and here we are. Uh, a couple other names on my list. You, you mentioned quite a few of them, but uh, I think Aiden O'Connell at Purdue. Yeah. Like, he's kind of very much similar to Pickett, and I think this is his sixth year, and I think that he's in a quarterback-friendly offense, and I think that maybe he, you know, if things click right, he could have that kind of season. Somebody we mentioned, I already mentioned earlier, Sean Clifford could have a good year. I I don't know if he's going to be a first-rounder, but I wouldn't, if Kenny Pickett can do it, I don't think Sean Clifford, if you look at the career trajectory of the two of them, I don't think Sean Clifford's career at Penn State has been all that different to what Pickett's was the year before. So maybe year two under Mike Yersich just kind of untapped something we haven't seen. Uh, Another quarterback, somebody who is a veteran player, who's a good college player, who has been in this offense for a few years and has improved little by little. Wait, are you going to Starkville? No. Okay. This guy has improved every single season, though. He's mobile. He's got an arm. DTR. I just, it, to me, it's a size thing. Yeah. He, he is smaller. Uh, I don't know what UCLA lists him at, but I, I you're right, though. He, he, you know, his production keeps increasing. Um, it does concern me that UCLA pretty clearly tried to get somebody else to come in and start over him. <laughs> yeah. Like from a you know, NFL draft perspective. What about Phil Yurkovic? Yeah, no, I I think he's too like I think he's too known. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he's our like Ryan has him in the first round already in his. Um, and if he had stayed healthy, I don't know that he's actually back at DC right now. Like if 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 Yurkovic had stayed healthy and and kept playing like he was playing, was he would he have been the first pick or not the first overall pick, but the first quarterback pick? He might have been. I mean. 
he's got a lot of the stuff you want. If he'd done well at like the combine and tested well, yeah, he probably could have been. All right, two SEC West guys. Or well, one was in the SEC West. Bo Nix. Oregon's gonna have a really good offensive line this year, I think. I can't. I know, I know. It's but you know what? For the sake you said Stetson Bennett, so I will agree with Bo Nix. Right. We will overcome our biases and we will give them shots. And maybe Will Rogers. Yeah, I mean, he's gonna the thing about Mike Leach QBs is even if it's kind of a you know, the system doesn't always translate well to the NFL level. Like you have to have an accurate arm. So that I think is a like one of the Kenny Pickett's bigger selling points was that well he didn't have the strongest arm he was pretty accurate with the ball placement and that was what appealed to a lot of teams about him although i think pickett's a little more mobile but for sure i i think another name that is might be a really big surprise because he hasn't really been great at the college level yet like he was okay last year but i have talked to some people who think that if things go right like this is a guy that definitely has all the traits that you're looking for can he put it together tanner mckee at stanford yep well for people who don't know, so he uh, was a four or five star kid back in, I think the Fields Lawrence class, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, really big frame kid, big arm, not much talent around him at Stanford. Uh, LDS, so he did take, you know, took, took the mission, uh, came back. I, I could see that NFL team seemed to love David Shaw. Like they have him on the draft mm -hmm. all the time. Um, I, I, I could see that. The, the chat is popping with some interesting ones here, by the way. Uh, I look, guys, as somebody who invented Jag Plus, or at least was on the show when we invented it, AR 15 does not qualify for this. He's not somebody who we think is just like an okay college quarterback. Yeah. Like AR 15 has really high level talent. It's just can he put it together and will he put it together? Also, he's, an, he's still an underclassman. So I, I tend to think of these guys as more the dudes that have been around for a while. Tanner Mordecai is a good one, by the way. You put on decent shout out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for, from, Obviously, Gabriel at OU. Do you think? I think he's very well known, but I guess, but nobody's mocking him first round. Um, mm -hmm. Can he throw more routes? That's, yeah, that's the question. I think he's going to have to show a little more well roundedness to his approach in the Oklahoma offense this year. I mean, I think he would, I think he's somebody a team's going to take a shot on. Yeah. I just don't know if he's ever going to be a first round pick. Danny does think he throws an NFL ball. Like, remember when Danny saw him throw yes. in, in, in person? And like, I mm -hmm. obviously won't trust Danny Cannell on that because he played in the NFL for a long time. Yeah, I, I don't think, like, when I've seen Gabriel, and it's hard always to kind of tell from television, I don't think he's got, like, a ton of zip on his deep ball, but he's incredibly accurate with his deep ball. Yeah. Like, he knows where to put it. He's always, like, putting it, whether it's to the outside of the receiver's shoulders or the inside. You know, it's just he's got very good placement, and he's able to throw receivers open in a lot of the times with deep balls, which I think is a very important trait. It's just at the NFL, I don't know if he's got enough zip on it where a safety at the NFL level won't just come running over there and be like, pluck, I'll take that from you. Right. So Here's I a question know. for you, um, and it, it kind of pivots off Gabriel because Gabriel's been in this offense, and uh, – um, Tennessee is running the same offense. And Hendon Hooker had a 31 to 3 touchdown interception ratio. And I think he had over a 50% success rate running the ball as well. Mm -hmm. He's a bigger dude or big enough. Uh, now, this is just where it gets hard to separate. How much of this is that offense, which is essentially a cheat code in college football because of the way it uses spacing and, and, and tempo and, and the, you know, the lineman downfield? 
and it's really hard to stop unless you just got Georgia level athletes. And how much of that is actually Hooker? I'm I don't have all the answers there. Like like I have a hard time knowing exactly how much of that is Hooker and how much of that is the offense. We have not seen guys from that offense go to the NFL and have success mm-hmm. though, right? Like we're we've seen some air raid guys, but nobody from that uh uh Baylor system has gone on to the NFL and done anything, right? Not that I could really think of. I mean, RG3 was the biggest hope of all those guys that were taken, but maybe it would have been him if it hadn't been for injuries. But I think that a lot of the guys that have come since have just kind of been... Because a lot of the time when you see in those, there's not really rocket arm QBs that are being put into those offenses. Like a lot of the times those programs over the years, and maybe that's going to change as the offense probably becomes more prevalent, but it was a lot of the times we're taking these kind of under rated three-star dudes and who have these traits that we're looking for that can at least play in this and putting them in so it was like when it came to the nfl it was like eh, don't really have the arm don't really have the processing that we want blah 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 so not yet not to say that it can't happen maybe hendon hooker is the guy who breaks through maybe dylan gabriel's the guy who breaks through it's just i think that it's kind of hard to bet on that but i do think hendon hooker is a good call as somebody who could be that guy another guy who could be that guy i saw it in the comments great point mark whipple did it with kenny pickett at pitt maybe Mark Whipple does it with Casey Thompson at Nebraska or whoever wins the Nebraska job. That's, that's certainly possible. Are we sure Casey Thompson is Jag plus yet? He's definitely, he, he was a Jag plus in that, he was more than a Jag plus in that bowl game against Colorado, but yeah, Colorado, that game was not exactly full strength, kind of a really tough test. Uh, I feel, I think that's a pretty good place to end the day's show though. Um, Thank you for tuning in live if you have. And again, if you haven't, hit the like button on the video. I mean, for the love of God, you, we just gave you a free hour's worth of entertainment there. You could at least just one little click, subscribe to the show, subscribe to us on all your podcast platforms. And that way, when the next show comes up, whether it's on YouTube or on your phone, on the podcasts, you'll get the notifications. You'll know it's up. You'll tune it in. You'll get the goodness. You'll get the information. You'll get all the college football talk you want. And I promise it's not all going to be NIL. Not all. For a little while, probably going to be a lot of NIL. So, you know, live with it. Anyways, thank you, bud, for listening. Or for listening. <laughs> Tom, I'll see you any day, man. No doubt. Thank you, bud, for joining us today. And uh, we will see the rest of you guys uh, next time. Thank you. Free chip. Free chip. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.